Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of John. It is a healing story. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, Jesus said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been cured, It is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your mat. But he answered them, The man who made me well said to me, Take up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your mat and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jewish leaders started persecuting Jesus because he was doing such things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is still working, and I also am working. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. I, and apologies to the people who have to hear my sermon for the second time in two hours. Um, I, uh, I give sermons a lot in this work. And um, one of the things about me is that I grew up in a Jewish home, a secular Jewish home and converted to Christianity when I was in college. So uh, I give sermons in synagogues, and I sort of have admitting, admitting privileges in both synagogues and churches. Um, and the, so I get nervous when I give sermons, but the most nervous I ever was was uh, in August 2017, I was supposed to give the sermon at a synagogue, and it happened to be the week after uh, Charlottesville. And I had written a sermon about loving your enemies. And now I was gonna go into the synagogue and tell folks to love their enemies. And I, I don't know if, how many folks know that the actual, the park in, in Charlottesville where the, where the riots happened is just two blocks from the synagogue and it was a Saturday morning. So those folks were in their worship service when these guys with Nazi paraphernalia were walking past. So it was a really traumatic moment. So I get in to give the sermon, I sit down in the, in the pew and the person next to me says, you see that guy in front of you, uh, he's an older gentleman, he said, he's a Holocaust survivor. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna give this sermon in front of a, what am I gonna say to a Holocaust survivor? You know, what am I gonna say to him that he's, you know? So I'm very nervous. 
I get up, I give the sermon, I sit down, and he turns to me and he says, would you mind emailing me your sermon? And I thought, oh, this is amazing, you know? And he says, because I've got a hearing aid issue. I didn't hear anything you said. <laughs> so that brought my, my uh, humility levels up <laughs> significantly. Um, my message to you today is going to be really simple. Uh, my message is that I believe the Gospels call us to challenge the systems that oppress people and uh, simultaneously to challenge our own tendency towards self-righteousness uh, and tribalism. Uh, and I'm going to argue that the process for doing those two things is actually the same. It's to engage with human, actual human beings meaningfully and authentically in the world. Um, as, as was mentioned, uh, we, my organization fights polarization, which is, you know, easy. I think we'll be done a couple weeks from now with that problem. Um, but it's also an incredible job. I get to have really transformative experiences. And, and the, the gospel that you heard today is, is uh, related to one that I had a couple weeks ago. I was at an evangelical church in Orange County, California, with a group of Jewish folks from L.A. who were coming down there to go to the services and then have a meal with the, with the evangelical Christians afterwards. And they'd never been to an evangelical service before, and that was the passage. So I'm sitting in the audience, and the Jewish part of me and the Christian part of me and the text is about the Jewish leaders wanting to kill Jesus, uh, and I was a little uncomfortable. And uh, my, my Jewish friends were very uncomfortable. And afterwards, I, I was pretty sure everyone was just gonna leave and it was gonna be a disaster, but afterwards they had this conversation about what is it like to hear something through other people's eyes, uh, or through other people's ears probably, right? What is it like to to experience this, the scripture as Christians, but knowing that Jews are sitting in the audience. And they had this incredible um, conversation about it and got through that hard part and actually came out in a better relationship afterwards. And it was a really incredible experience. One of the things that came from it that they all liked was this message of, of weighed in, right? This idea that this man's been standing by this pool for 38 years. Why isn't he getting in the pool? We can't stand back and let life happen and not engage with it, not be part of it, be present with it. We don't really like to wait in most of the time. We like to be safe, right? We like to go from a safe point A to a safe point B, whether it's through our day or through physical geographic space. Um, but that's, that's the story of polarization. It's also the story of racism. It's also the story of persistent poverty. These things continue because we don't engage, we don't wait in, we don't challenge ourselves by immersing ourselves in other people's lives or other people's pain or other people's experience. Now, a lot of folks feel like those issues are persistent because they represent systems and structures, and that's true, I agree. But we don't change systems and structures by accurately dissecting them in a Facebook post. If that were true, all of our problems would be over by now. Structures change when we care enough about the people who are impacted by them to immerse ourselves in their lives and make their problems our problems. Structures change when we not only create a shared vision for a positive, hopeful future for our country that includes all of us, but we live that vision. We do it. So wade in. Engage. Meet someone new. Share a meal with an immigrant and not just talk about how you support immigration reform. Have lunch with someone who disagrees with you and actually try to understand where they're coming from instead of just trying to convert them to your views. You know, people have, like to say, you know, wade in, the water's warm. 
The water is not warm. It is cold and messy and complicated and dirty and frustrating and heartbreaking. We wade into life with our deeply held convictions and our simple truths, and when we wade out, things are more complicated and we don't understand all of what we just experienced. But maybe that, more than anything else, is why I hate polarization so much. I really hate it. Because it gives us the easiest way out of everything, right? What's the solution? The solution is for those people to go away. The solution is that I'm right and they're wrong. And once they see that, everything will be okay. The way our minds work, we think that we analyze things and come to a conclusion based on the facts. But really, what the science tells us is that we come to the conclusion we want to come to and then find the facts to kind of assess that. I asked folks in the middle hour if they'd ever looked for a Bible passage just to back up their political beliefs. And like 20 hands shut up. The example that Jesus set is the opposite of what our polarized minds do. He not only waded in, he hung out with people who were oppressed, the poor, lepers, women. He also hung out with people who were despised. He hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with the IRS. That's who we are as Christians. We love our enemies. We believe in Dr. King's interpretation of the Gospels that love not only changes power systems that oppress people, love is the only thing that can transform enemies into friends. Today, we increasingly have a culture that is the opposite of that, a culture that draws lines and critiques people and shames them and blames them, that tells us to assume the best of our own side and always assume the worst of the other side. This culture enforces its rules through coercion. If you step out of line, you face a, a mob. It's true on multiple sides of our divides, but I think about the story of a friend of mine who used to be a prominent figure in the religious right, and then he started to change his beliefs, and he lost a lot of friends, and every time he posts on Facebook, a hundred people tell him why he's wrong and terrible. But what he told me is that he also gets a hundred text messages from people who say, I love what you're doing, I just can't say it in public. That's how power works. It bends the rules to make what's right so unpopular that it can silence people. But our job is not to do what's popular. Jesus was deeply unpopular in his time. The things that he did were deeply unpopular. And he was radical in ways that both challenged both power and self-righteousness. He talked multiple times about uh, taking the plank out of our eye before we look at the speck in someone else's. So what do we do? We're going to wade in. The great Catholic priest Daniel Berrigan once said that, quote, one cannot level one's moral lance at every evil in the universe. There's too many of them. But you can do something. And the difference between doing something and doing nothing is everything. So that's my ask. Do something. Challenge systems that oppress people like Jesus did. Challenge the norms that make people feel comfortable in their own side, like Jesus did. Challenge your own self-righteousness, your own assumptions. Don't ever accept the claim that the only way to be is to be in exact alignment with everything that folks on your side believe. Go meet someone new. Go interact with a person who disagrees with you. And my crazy notion is that I believe if we all went out and did that, if we all waded in with our whole selves, we could not only transform hearts and minds, we could transform systems and, and countries. We could transform ourselves. We could transform everything. See, our culture tells us that our ambition should be centered on winning, 
on doing big things, getting to the top, winning elections, creating a new app that's going to transform everything, coming up with the most ingenious plan. Compared to those, the idea of sitting with someone who's hungry or poor or in pain or different than you feels smaller or less ambitious. But I disagree. I have a friend and colleague who was recently diagnosed with brain cancer, and it's probably terminal, and he's fairly young, he has two small children, and he's a brilliant scientist. It's really tragic. The first blog posts he wrote after he was diagnosed, he was sort of in this upbeat, positive mood and, and talking about things in a sort of optimistic, lighthearted way. And apparently some of his friends and family said to him, you know, you, you're not being ambitious enough. You can beat this thing. You, you can't resign yourself to it. You know, you got to be more ambitious. So this is what he wrote in response. He said, let me tell you about my ambition. I want my battle to be measured not by a favorable position on a survival curve, but by the generative light that comes pouring down during the battle. I want my success to be measured not by how much blood I spill, but by how much light I give. I want to leave the battlefield below resplendent with plasma that kindles the same in others and makes the world a better place. And he finished with, how's that for ambition? We don't have to settle for a tribal comfort or for an unjust status quo. We can shatter both. We can change the world and we can change ourselves. And through reflection and engagement, we can realize that those are actually the same goal. And then I believe we can leave the earth resplendent with light. May the peace of Christ be with you.